Eris the Chef, Eris Johnson, on the podcast today. Eris talks about growing up in New Orleans with mom and grandma, how grandma often shoot her out of the kitchen. She says those two women, though, really did teach her what good food is. In fact, in college, uh, she tells the story about how the cafeteria food just really wasn't cutting it. So she started to cook her own food and was getting rave reviews from all of her friends. That really didn't put the whole chef thing, though, in her brain. Her path took her to New York City, where she eventually enrolled in culinary school, nighttime culinary school, after her day job. And then she said she had a lot of jobs after that. In fact, worked at the first Shake Shack in New York City. She worked at a Gordon Ramsay restaurant. She said in all the jobs that she's had, some of them were incredibly challenging, some fun, some not so fun and boring. But she says all of those jobs, all of those stepping stones really did set her up for where she is today. Here's Eris Johnson. Do people call you ATC? <laughs> Some people do. <laughs> really? Some people do, yeah. Which is Eris the chef. Do. That means Eris the yes. chef. Yes. I love that. I need to come up with something, I think, for me, like Trish the something, and just like make everybody call me that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a middle name, Trish. Something, Let's right? I'll, I'll help you think of something. Oh, will you? <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Okay. Eris Johnson, chef. Uh, you're the owner of your company, Eris Foods. Um, you're also, yes. if, if people probably have seen you on the Food Network, you're a chopped champion. I am. I am. Really interesting. Um, I really, like I was saying, I really kind of dig the path that you have been on the last several years, but I want to start at the beginning. Where are you from originally, ATC? I'm I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana, mm. born and raised. I love yes. it. Yeah, but at this point, I've officially lived half my life in Louisiana and half my life in New York. Oh, wow. So, okay. So a l yeah. <laughs> little different. Yeah, I'm getting to be a relic. <laughs> uh what was it like growing up in new orleans were you just you know i mean i've been to new orleans but a lot of people think new orleans they think french quarter and that's basically it and that's not true no that's not true i mean growing up in new orleans though i mean you mentioned the french quarter the french quarter was a big part of my life like i spent a lot of my childhood in the french quarter um my family members uh were mus musicians so, you know, a lot of music happens down in the French Quarter. Mm -hmm. um, and then my mom was just like a adventurer and like a lover of New Orleans. So, I mean, I remember eating like my first muffalata, um, which is a sandwich, like a, a classic sandwich in New Orleans and like this like dark restaurant in like a corner table. And I remember being like little, like, why are we here? Like, this is so weird. And then now I think back, I'm like, you know, my mom was just exposing me, like, mm. to the culture and at, at its finest. That's, <laughs> at a, its best. that's a good mama. I like that. Um, oh, for sure. You said family members, musicians. What are we talking? Like like jazz bands or just other sort of bands? Yeah. So uh, my uncle was a drummer. Mm -hmm. uh, he passed away. But my uncle was a drummer. And he played with many, many um, different jazz bands and all sorts of bands, actually. Uh, as a drummer, and um, and then my brother's father was a trumpet player, 
and he played with many of the traditional jazz bands, many of the traditional second line bands like um, like Pinstripers and like maybe you know people who know about New Orleans like know about like the jazz bands, the second line bands. So right, yes. right, okay. So, Do you play any sort of musical instrument? No, when I was like about 15 <laughs> I, um, and like my mom sings, like my grandmother, uh, she used to sing. My mom plays the flute and sings and then I'm a chef. But uh, <laughs> when I was 15, <laughs> when I was 15, uh, my mom uh, put me into like a music composition class. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like me and one other student, um, my instructor, he's a musician. He has a band in New Orleans called the Klezma All-Stars. And then his other student, who was a trumpet player, he's still a musician. And, um, and our instructor, his name is Ben Shank, he taught us how to write music. He taught us how to listen to music. So he taught wow. us how to write music on a piano for different instruments. So that's like the extent of like my, <laughs> my, my, my musical training. Like I've written a couple of songs for, for instruments. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's like, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. I mean, they weren't like songs that like got recorded like, but like I wrote them and I was 15. So yeah, mm-hmm. check, but that's my music. And done. That's it. Yeah. Check yeah. And done. <laughs> Um, yeah, I read that you grew up with your mom, your brother and grandma, right? Grandma lived with you guys. Yes. 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 Well, we lived with her actually. Mm, there and you go. My uncle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. What was that like growing up with growing up, having grandma right in the house with you? Um, it was interesting. It was cool. My grandmother was like my bestie. That was my home girl. Like we would go everywhere. <laughs> together and like she took me on trips and like she was really really fancy so she would like buy me clothes from like Saks Fifth Avenue and stuff so she like exposed me to to things and so yeah I really loved my grandmother um and you know being like a it was like during my teenage years so you know being a teenager Mm -hmm. you kind of all over the place Mm -hmm. so it was a it was an interesting dynamic (laughs) <laughs> you, at times. Yeah, you probably needed grandma during those teenage years. It sounds like you grew yeah. up with two two fairly strong women who exposed you to a lot, sounds like. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, wow. yeah. Like, my mom, like, to this day, like, I tell her, like, you know, now that I'm an adult and could kind of see the results, I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, you did a really good job of, like, you know, exposing me to things <laughs> and... She says she got a lot of kickback from like friends that would be like, hey, like when I was eight years old, she sent me to Girl Scout camp, to sleepaway camp, mm-hmm. like for the first time. And I was only eight years old. She was like, her friends thought like she was crazy, <laughs> like sending me. But to this day, I'm still like in touch with like my Girl Scout camp counselors. And like I learned so much i went from like eight years old to like 15 years old Mm -hmm. like every single summer to a sleepaway camp so you know maybe that's why it was easy for me to move to another state you know Mm -hmm. because i didn't have like those like 
mommy attachment issues. Like I couldn't be anywhere like yeah. <laughs> separated from her. So yeah. that, that was me, but by, by the way, first grade, <laughs> desperately clinging on to mom's skirt. Like, don't leave me in this establishment. Yeah. Yeah. So she oh, knew what I she was doing. Cool at eight. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was quite upset. <laughs> Like, White ups. no, no, no. You're sending me where now? Yeah. So the woods. Yeah. It was, it was a situation. Oh, that's the best. Yeah. Did your, yeah. did grandma and mom cook growing up? Yeah. So my grandmother did most of the cooking mm-hmm. and, you know, most chefs are like, um, oh, like, you know, held on to grandma's um, apron strings or mom's apron strings. But my grandmother was like, get out of my kitchen. (laughs) The most she would let me do is like, (laughs) is like, um, like uh, break off the ends of her green beans. And she would let me peel and devein her shrimp. Like literally that's it. Okay. And then I got, and I got to eat her cooking. So So, you got, you got the crappiest jobs in the kitchen. Absolutely. Absolutely. But again, that's even more training because, you know, once you first start in restaurants, mm-hmm. you absolutely get the crappiest jobs for a long time. Very so. true. Very true. Um, yeah. I remember uh, growing up in South Carolina, shrimp was huge in, you know, most of my grandma's cooking. Um, she would go yeah. pull out this fresh shrimp that, that they froze that they just caught or whatever. And um, I remember watching her and my mom over the sink peeling and deveining shrimp yeah lucky you it added <laughs> that you got to watch <laughs> i don't think do honestly eris i don't think they wanted me to do it it was that get get out of the kitchen you don't know what you're right. doing you're gonna screw up no but yeah so i know yeah. i can appreciate deveining shrimp it's not it's not necessarily like good fun kitchen work no, not at all. And especially when you're like young and would rather be doing something else. Like it's the mm-hmm. last thing you want to do. For it's sure. It's gross. Yeah. <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> I I know I know all those uh some of these foods definitely played a role later in life. Did you have anything growing up though that you just loved like when you heard grandma was cooking fill in the blank, were you just like, Yes? Um, so growing up in New Orleans, like we had kind of like days for different foods. Yes. So like Mondays would be like red beans and rice. Mm-hmm. So red beans and rice, red bean Mondays. And then on Fridays, like New Orleans is like a largely Catholic city. Mm-hmm. And so most people eat fish, even though we weren't Catholic, like it didn't matter. It's just like you just participated. So on Fridays, we'd have fried catfish. So my grandmother would make fried catfish, a potato salad, and like some vegetable, maybe peas. And like, that mm-hmm. was my favorite. Mm-hmm. I always say like, God forbid, but that would be like my death row meal. <laughs> Fried catfish. <laughs> it's just good. Salad. Fried yeah, catfish is. is just good. You know, the first time I went fishing, the first fish I caught was a catfish. Wow. I know, nice. Right? <laughs> I know. I was impressed with That's myself too. Cool. For yeah. sure. For sure. Okay. So you head off to college to... Be yeah. what? You're not thinking. Chef is not even on your radar at this okay. point. Yeah. No, no, no. So I went to college. First of all, I chose my major just looking through the um, through the pamphlet that mm-hmm. had like descriptions of majors. And I was like, oh, this looks cool. I think I chose accounting first. 
And then like I got into accounting and was like quickly like, nah, this is crazy. And so I switched to marketing. Um, and yeah, I was thinking like, you know, after I leave here, I want to be a CEO of a Fortune 500 con company. Like that was my trajectory. I just wanted to be like the Oprah Winfrey of business. Like, <laughs> period. Like I thought cooking was like, domestic and like mm -hmm. i don't want to do anything domestic like yeah i had zero interest in cooking were zero. you at this point were you looking to did you just want to get out of new orleans was that were you like i need to get away i need to spread my wings a little bit yeah well originally i wanted to go to college in new york i wanted to go to nyu mm -hmm. and my mama's plan was just kind of like you know you can do whatever you want to do like just as long as it doesn't involve my money so I'm like, okay, I'm introduced to like my first like adult decisions. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. You can do whatever you want as long as it doesn't include my money. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I had to learn fast. Like, wow, if I go to NYU, I have to pay these uh, exorbitant out-of-state fees plus the tuition, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, or I could go to like Southern University my family members had graduated from there. My best friends were going there. And even though at that moment, I really wanted to do something different, like financially, it made more sense just to stay. So I wasn't in New Orleans. I was in Baton Rouge. So, you know, I was still kind of away from home and not. So, yeah, that was my decision. And it was a good decision. I'm, I'm really happy that I graduated from uh, Southern University for sure. Yeah. And, and I think I still wound up in New York. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I think going away um, is a huge is a huge thing. Like you learned going to Girl Scout camp, kind of breaking yeah. those ties a little bit, those dependent ties on on mom. It really does yes. help later in life. And like you said, even moving to New York. You, you're like, I can do it. I can, I can be on my own. I can survive. I can do this even in, in a huge city like New York city. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It wasn't easy, but like a hundred percent. Yeah. And all of those steps were like building blocks. Like mm -hmm. maybe girl scout camp prepared me for college. Maybe college prepared me for New York, mm -hmm. but still it was all steps that were needed. Yeah. Steps along your path for sure. So, uh, you're, you're in school though. And I read that, I love this. I read that you were just like the food in the cafeteria. You're like, mm -mm, I'm going to make my own. Yeah. So first of all, shout out to all of the cafeteria workers at mm -hmm. Southern university. Like I had good friends in the cafeteria, mm -hmm. but like we got tired of the food at a certain point. Uh, yeah. Every day wasn't, every day wasn't a great day. Some days we were looking forward to other days. It was like, oh God, mm -hmm. do we have any other choices? So, um, <laughs> so my roommate and I, we had two hot plates in our dorm room, which I don't know why, because my roommate wasn't a cook. I wasn't a cook, but I just decided one day, like, you know what? I'm gonna cook some food. Like it's gotta be better than what they're serving in the cafeteria. And so I made some uh, smothered pork chops with rice and gravy and green beans and potatoes. Damn. I know. I was like, damn. I was like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, I chose this, but like, I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, 
but I made it and it, it came out really well, you know, like I obviously made it at like a basic level. I think I used like a pack of McCormick gravy mix and mm-hmm. like had some local Louisiana dry seasoning and, you know, my rice, my pork chops, mm-hmm. my green beans were probably from a can mm-hmm. and I used real potatoes, but either way it came together nicely and I served it to some people and, you know, I was kind of waiting for the ball to drop because I was like, maybe I'm delusional, <laughs> but they enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah they enjoyed it. And, and so what I enjoyed most about that experience was that I was like, wow, I did something that came like directly from me that I gave to another person and they were able to give me that instant reaction. Oh, I was I was able to make them happy with it. Or even if they wouldn't have been happy with it and they wouldn't have enjoyed it, I don't think that would have made a difference. It would have been like, oh, okay, I got this constructive criticism. Now I could go back and try again and try to fix it. And hopefully they'll be open to try it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) No, but that instant, that instant sort of feedback of, wow, this is good. It's like a comedian getting the laugh. It's sort of, yes, it's like a drug, right? You're just like, Ooh, I like hearing that. I, I created something that someone else is really enjoying. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So that kind of like lit a fire. And, um, mm-hmm. and my roommates and I, well, my roommate and then another one of my best friends, we decided to move off campus and get an apartment. And I became kind of like the unofficial chef of the apartment. Mm-hmm. So I would just ask my roommates like, hey, what do you want to eat today? And that's when it got weird. One time my roommate was like, oh, I want to eat chili. So I told you my cooking history was zero, but my eating history was vast. Yeah. My grandmother <laughs> my grandmother was a really good cook and everybody in New Orleans is a really good cook, pretty much, you know? Mm-hmm. So she asked me to make chili and I'm like, okay, I've eaten enough chili. Like my grandmother, sometimes when she would make her red beans, she would put ground meat in them and she would call them chili beans. Mm. So I was like, okay, I know I need kidney beans and some meat, but then it got peculiar because then I like knew about like spices, like cumin and chili powder. Right. And I don't know how I knew that stuff. I don't know. That's crazy. (laughs) But yeah. But so, and then like one time, my mom, like, I think like chicken leg quarters were on sale. She bought us like 20 pounds and we were like, wow, what are you going to do with all this chicken? And so we like, let's go to Walmart and buy a grill, put the grill together and like, let's have a barbecue. So I had never barbecued before and I grilled like chick, like it was like I catered a whole barbecue and I had never done that before. Wow. And everybody ate all of the food. We had nothing left at the end. Well, that's crazy that you have. Yeah. I mean, obviously you grew up eating all of this incredible food, but you just sort of (laughs) knew when you're in the kitchen and you're throwing this chili together, you just knew like, I got to have this and I got to have this in there. Yeah. Hmm. So I think somewhere on the line, along the line, like I just, some people have like, can memorize like math equations and stuff. And Mm -hmm. I think I just memorized like flavors. Yeah. And didn't know. Yeah. Didn't know that that's what I was doing. Did you find too, though, that you were missing like grandma's cooking? And so was that part of it? Um, or no? Kind of. But I would call her, though. 
I would call. I, I call my grandmother Mimi. So I would call. I'd be like, "Hey, Mimi, like, how do you? What do you do when you make this uh, <laughs> or that?" And like, I did that. Yeah. Even like as a young cook, like in mm-hmm. New York, like mm-hmm. I would call her from the kitchen and be like, "Hey, I'm making gumbo at Whole Foods. Like, mm-hmm. what do I know? <laughs> what I need to do?" So yeah, yeah. So I would call and ask. Yeah. So maybe I was missing her food. Mm-hmm. I still, maybe. I still call my mom and my uncle or text them, and I'm just like, "Hey, uh, I'm I'm doing chicken wings. Help!" Like. Little things that, you know, little things that I I don't. And even, you know, when my grandmother was alive, especially Thanksgiving, I was on the phone with her constantly. Like, what temperature do you bake this? What goes in your dressing? Cornbread? Like, and she'd be like, don't get this mix. You want this mix instead, right? And so, but I mean, she, that's the food that I want to recreate is hers and my mom's. They know best when it comes to cooking that food. Yeah. For sure. Like my fried catfish and potato salad is definitely like my memory of my grandmother's fried fish, Mm -hmm. fried catfish and potato salad, like in my mind, Mm -hmm. like to the T. Yeah. Yeah. No, every time I make uh, her cornbread dressing for Thanksgiving, I I might as well just be in her kitchen. Like I can just, you know, you just the smells and the taste and everything. I love that. So even though you're just cooking out of, you know, you're just like kind of pulling all of this out of nowhere and you're like, wow, I'm, I'm cooking a, a whole barbecue for people. You still really didn't, yeah. you, you weren't still thinking like at this point, chef, chef could be a job for me. Right. You weren't like, mm. no, I was just like, this is cool, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but like <laughs> I was, I was in school for marketing. So, you know, they, they're like, you know how school is. It's like, Mm-hmm. The the trajectory is like, okay, you need to do an internship yep. with this company, with that company. Yep. After you graduate, what sorts of jobs should you look to have like as a new graduate, which would probably be sales. So they're like looking into all these pharmaceutical companies, pharmaceutical sales. So like my mind is there. Mm-hmm. But then I had a conversation with um, one of my still best friends uh, he enjoyed acting. And so we were just talking one day and I was like, yeah, what are you doing after graduation? And he's like, oh, I'm moving to New York. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Like I wanted to live in New York, like, you know, before coming here. So I was like, maybe I'll move to New York too. Like you want to be roommates? And he was just like, yeah, sure. And that was that. Wow. So that, that little conversation solidified me moving to New York. And then the wheels started turning like, okay, once I get to New York, like business was, was on my mind. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to go to New York and get a corporate job. But I'm like, you know what? I'm starting to dig this cooking thing. Mm -hmm. I want to learn how they do it in restaurants. And so then I just made a decision then like I'm moving to New York. I'm going to get a corporate job but I'm also going to go to culinary school. Mm -hmm. I'm going to find a culinary school and I'm going to go. And that was just like my process. You actually went to culinary school at night. So this wasn't like you were working during the day and you were going to school at night. Wow. Wow. So (laughs) yeah, quickly, what was that like? I mean, was that super stressful or? I was way younger. 
So it was easy. Yeah, <laughs> so I can imagine right. doing that now. Like, oh my God. Like, For sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would be in school till like 11 o'clock uh, <laughs> at night after mm-hmm. I had worked the nine to five. So yeah, at the time I was much younger. And so it was just kind of like exciting. It was fun, I bet. you know, and it was like, it wasn't like, I wasn't a big fan of school. I wasn't a big fan of like high school, like college. I was a fan of like the social aspects and I was a fan of my actual marketing classes. I enjoyed those, but like, just like, I'm like, why am I learning geometry? Like, when am I ever going to use this? Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. Like pre-calculus, what dummy created pre-calculus? Exactly. Exactly. And tell me when in your adult life, like, have you ever used it? Not like, once, Eris. I have used math for sure, obviously, (laughs) but like, yeah. So, you know, I wasn't a fan, but when I got to culinary school, it was different. It was hands-on. It was actually a bit of a challenge too. Like when I first started culinary school, I was like, oh my God, they like handed me a big knife this big. And it was like, okay, cut little things. (laughs) What? (laughs) Cut little things, all the same shape, please. Make sure they're all the same shape. Yeah. So yeah, it got really real, but I enjoyed it though. Like I was like an average student in high school and in college and I got to culinary school and like graduated with honors. I think I had like a 3.9 GPA because I'd made like one B. Right. I was like, wow, who am I? Like I'm a Rhodes Scholar. You know, I've heard that from so (laughs) many. I'm a Rhodes Scholar. I've I've heard that from so many chefs, though, that, you know, maybe they struggled in school or they just didn't really love it. And then they made the decision to go to culinary school and they just excelled. Like, you know, making flashcards and like nerding out and just geeking out over all of this stuff because it was the right fit. Yeah, like everything clicked, like everything made sense. Like, whereas, or like, you know, maybe, and like, you know, one of my issues with school in general is that everybody doesn't learn the same. Mm -hmm. So some people are audio, some people are visual, some people are audio visual. But I'm like, I think the difference in culinary school was that everything was hands on. So they're like, we're going to teach you these um, like applications but then we're gonna actually apply it. So we're gonna explain to you different cooking methods, baking, braising, frying, pan searing, but then you're actually gonna bake, braise, pan sear and fry. And so it just made sense. Like it easily made sense to me instead Mm -hmm. of just like reading it, memorizing it and you know. So I think that that was a difference. I think that's probably the difference for most people yeah go to a technical school honestly yeah it just yeah you're right it just clicks everything clicks and then it's somewhere in the back of your head you're going okay good on me I made the right decision right yeah absolutely okay kind of sure uh but this does really set you off on a cooking path I mean you worked yeah. at Whole Foods. You were part of the team at New York City's Shake Shack. I read that working at Whole Foods, though, you learned because you were in the, the like the food prep area of Whole Foods. Yeah, so I worked in prepared foods on Whole Foods, mm-hmm. and that's the the section of uh, Whole Foods that 
sells all the hot food, yeah. the cold food and the cases. And so it's a really large operation and it really taught me how to like make food in large quantities. Right. Like, that's what we did. Yes. Right. Very large quantities. Do you think that helped set you up for restaurant cooking? So I just want to backtrack. Please. Yeah. Backtrack before Whole Foods. And, you know, you're talking about like in in culinary school, I realized I made the right decisions. And Mm -hmm. I said, kind of after culinary school, I I decided like once I finished culinary school, like no more corporate America nine to five, like I'm going full time into food, period. Okay. So I was working at the American Red Cross while I was in school for Mm -hmm. September 11th recovery program in finance. And after I graduated from culinary school, I think like our grant ended, like it happened right at the the same time I was graduating. And I could have signed back on to work longer, but I just decided not to, to go into food. Got a job at a restaurant doing prep, worked for like a week, I was struggling. They were having me do things like it wasn't like school. Like we really had to do it. Like I had to like receive like 50 pound fish to make sure they were okay and put it away. And Mm -hmm. then I would have to prep all of these things. And, you know, I was keeping up the best that I could. Week later, like five days in, chef sits me down. How do you think you're doing? I was like, oh, chef, I think I'm, you know, I'm getting there. You know, I'm doing my best. And he was like, well, that's good. But, you know, unfortunately, like your best is not good enough. So I have to let you go. I'm crushed. I had never been fired from a job like ever in my life. And my very first job in the the industry that I thought I wanted to spend the rest of my life in. Right. I got fired. Yeah. So that was a long train ride home. And um, I searched for a very long time for another restaurant gig and just nothing was coming up. And so finally I had kind of given up and I had gone to a job fair. Remember those job? I don't know if they still have job fairs. Oh yes. But it was, it was a job fair for corporate jobs. I was like, maybe, you know, I just need to go back to corporate America and like, cause I got to make some money to, to figure something out. And at this job fair is this one guy with this tie dye t-shirt on. And I'm like, this guy looks crazy. And I go over and he's from Whole Foods. And they were opening a new store in Columbus Circle in New York on 59th Street. It's like right across the street from uh, Central Park. And they needed people. And I was like, well, I actually just finished culinary school. And basically almost got hired on spot. He called me like a, a day later wow. to come in for like a formal interview. And yeah. Wow. Thank you so for. I was on my way out of food. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for <laughs> backtracking because that's, that's quite yeah. a pivotal moment in your life, especially when you're like, I should just go back to do this thing, this thing that I really right. don't want to do, but you have to base yes. that like a necessity. Yes, mm. yes, yes. And you got to understand, like, all of my friends were like, this is what they were doing. Like, we were all college graduates. So, like, I was like the oddball out going to culinary school. Mm -hmm. And, like, when I couldn't find a job, a lot of my friends were kind of, like, fed up with me. Like, oh, (laughs) you're still trying to do that cooking thing? Like, (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> and right now you're like, yeah, look at me now. Yeah, I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> like, still doing that cooking thing. <laughs> still doing it. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's, it, it almost is like Whole Foods kind of, kind of saved you a little bit. It did. It a hundred percent did. Thank it you, Whole 100%. Foods. Thank you, Whole Foods. Thank yeah. you, Whole Foods, for sure. So yes. you go to work at Whole Foods instantly, sounds like. And again, this is where you're yes. learning really, um, you know, really like this is ki- this is lar- this is kitchen work. I mean, high quantity kitchen work. Yeah, it's a production kitchen. Yeah, yep, a production yeah. kitchen. And uh, yeah, it was it was cool. Like it was something new to learn. Mm-hmm. It was just like making everything in bulk. And again, at at the time, you know, you have moments where you hate it. Like, wow, I'm coming in tonight to make 50 pounds of brown rice again. Like, this is my life. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is not what I signed up for. But, you know, again, I didn't know that that was preparing me yeah. for now, you know. But I had already had a taste of restaurant life. Even though it was a week, I had had a taste. And I definitely, it was always my goal to get back to that. So I knew that Whole Foods was just kind of like a stop along the way mm-hmm. the entire time. But I was there for quite a while. I was at Whole Foods for like three and a half years. Right. Okay. But in, yes. in that time, are you kind of absorbing almost everything you can because you know this isn't going to be your last stop? There's, there's something else. I'm absorbing everything I can. I'm also trying to like climb the ladder as well. Like sure. I wanted to do like different things because I'm like, I also have a degree. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to learn things. And I remember um, talking to my supervisor I wanted to apply to be like a buyer because I wanted to understand like the relationship between, you know, buyers mm-hmm. and distributors and Brilliant. Like, how that went. Yeah. But like my supervisor was just like, no, we want you here just cooking. And so the way my heart is set up, I'm like, okay, like you can't limit me. <laughs> so let's see what else is out there. And so, yeah, I started working overnight, an overnight shift and I was cooking more and um it left my days open and so i got another job a mm-hmm. second job at a burger spot called a burger joint mm-hmm. in the parker meridian hotel okay and that that was an experience <laughs> how so how so um the burger joint so the parker meridian hotel is like a really nice like five-star hotel okay and they had like a michelin star restaurant in there Norma's, I believe the name is, and that's where I wanted to work. But then they have the burger joint, which is like behind a curtain, and it's like a dive inside of this really fancy restaurant. And so they like, we're gonna put you at the burger joint. So I'm like, okay, like you know, I have these fine dining aspirations, but whatever. Right. But the burger joint was small, very small. Like I was grilling. The person that was dressing the buns was like right behind me. We were like back to back. <laughs> no social <laughs> distancing. Person, no social distancing. The person taking the orders and making the drinks and the milkshakes was like one foot away. Right. Y'all are getting real, real comfy. comfy. Y'all got real comfy. Very. Real fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> real fast. Mm-hmm. But uh, it taught me how to cook meat to temperature because everybody's burger, they were grilled and they were grilled to temp per order. 
And I had to do a lot and I had to do them really fast. Fast. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so that helped me. Beautiful. I love this. All of (laughs) these little steps for you really setting you up for, for every day for, for today. So let's talk about then, um, you had a, you got a job at Gordon Ramsay restaurant. Yes. And that's in the London hotel. Yes. So after, uh, the burger joint, I got a job at Shake Shack. Right. At that time was the, the Shake Shack. It was the only Shake Shack in the world in this shack like building in the middle of Madison Square Park. So Shake Shack hired me because I had worked at Burger Joint and I could cook burgers. And like the line at Shake Shack would wrap around the park. Crazy. That, so, that is crazy that you worked at the first Shake Shack. Yes, the first Shake Shack. So all of these humbling experiences, because again, in the back of my mind, I'm like, yo, I have a whole <laughs> college degree. I went to culinary school. I'm making 50 pounds of rice. I graduated from making rice to like flipping burgers. And I'm like, this again is like not what I signed up for. Yeah. So at that time, Gordon Ramsay had a show on Hell's Kitchen. Mm -hmm. I was like, this dude is a riot. Like, oh my God, he's talking to these grown adults. Like so crazy. This is hilarious. I want to work for him one day. Really? You want to work for him? Okay. Uh, yeah, because I was like, he's so crazy, but I'm like, his food looks good. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, I love I that. I, I love that. that. <laughs> <laughs> that was my reason. So I'm on Craigslist looking for jobs because I'm like, Shake Shack can't be the end all be all. And lo and behold, Gordon Ramsay is coming to New York, his first restaurant in America. And they had an open house, but I had to work, so I missed it. So I was like, oh, man. And then I saw another advertisement, and so I sent my resume, and I got an interview. So I'm like, yes. So I get an interview. I go in for a stage. A stage is uh, when for restaurants. It's basically like you have a sit-down interview like this, but then mm-hmm. you have to actually come in and work in the kitchen for a couple of hours for free. Sure. So did my stage and in Europe, you do a stage for a full day. So like I was a passing and I'm like, wow, when is the chef going to come back and kind of like tell me I could go home? It's like hours and hours of passing. And so finally, um, I'm like, yeah, chef, like I have to go, you know, and he's like, you have to go. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay, can you come back another day for another stage? And I'm like, this is crazy. But I'm like, I, I loved what I was seeing. It was so organized and everything. So I came back again. And so the second time he sits me down and he was like, listen, like you have no fine dining experience. I was like, I don't. He was like, but you work for Danny Maya at Shake Shack. Like, you know, everybody at Maya, Danny Maya is a restaurant tour. And he was like, do you think you could go from flipping burgers to this? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like. Mm-hmm. How different could it be? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so he hired me. Wow. And yeah. And um, that and I started off doing room service because the restaurant was in a hotel. And I just made my way around. Went from room service into the restaurant. um, Worked on each station for a long time. Mm -hmm. I'd say I, I worked on each station for like at least a year. Wow. And that's 
yeah, and that's pretty long. Um, but you know, again, like I hated it at the time. Like, wow, when am I going to get off this garbage station hmm. and like onto the hotline? But like, you become a master at things. Like a year of making little tiny salad plates with fifteen ingredients. Like, <laughs> you're gonna learn some stuff. Yeah, you're gonna get you're yeah. gonna get good at it for sure. Did you feel like though yeah. this job? Were you like, because you wanted that fine dining experience, and when you landed this yeah. job, where you were like, this is it? Okay. I mean, did you feel like, check, I, I did this? Um. <laughs> Now I feel like check. Okay. I did that. And at the time, during, no? Yeah, during, I was just like, I need to do what I have to do. Like, I know that I need to do this stuff. I know that I need this experience. I know that I need to learn. It's a blessing that I'm able to do it here because I know this name is going to be able to, to, and not just the name, but like the skill set I learned mm-hmm. under this name is gonna be able to get me into other rooms, other establishments that are stimular or higher up. So at the time, I was just like, I'm doing what I have to do, but just like Whole Foods and Burger Joint and Shake Shack, it has a time limit. Like Interesting. Have to go. Yeah, so then yeah. at the time, did you feel like, yes, this is good experience for me, but it yeah. still wasn't for you, it still wasn't that, that that job or that that goal for you it was a it no. was just like a, a i don't want to say it like a a holding it was like a a stepping stone i guess is is what we kind of were going with for sure a stepping stone because i was all i've always been about growth and so you know i was looking at other chefs that i felt that were like less talented had been there for a shorter time and they would come in work a station for like a couple of months another station for a couple of months. And then the next thing you know, they were like a junior sous chef. And then the next thing you know, they were working on a, yeah. So I'm like, hmm, like, yeah. That- so I'm like, I don't like that. You know, and I don't want to be a line cook for the rest of my life. Right. So if this is not going to be the place where I could move up to management, I'm going to move up to management somewhere. So it's just not going to be here. So I need to take what I need from here to mm. prepare me to go to the next level. Yeah, that is frustrating when you're when you're obviously a hard worker and you're wa- watching other people next to you move up. Yeah. And you're not. I'm a hard worker, but I'm I'm a black woman in a white male dominated field. So you were seeing Yeah, you were seeing men. I mean, get yeah. get promoted. And women. And women. Really? <laughs> as well, yeah. And women as well. That's a that's a, another interview like the food industry is a a really interesting place. Tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so obviously, and this is sort of a no shit statement, disheartening for you. Was that super disheartening watching this as you're just, you're, you're working your ass off, right? I mean, and is this just disheartening at this point? Uh, I would use the word disheartening. I, I think more so of me thinking like, wow, this is some real true bullshit, but okay. But I, I you know, I see what it is right. and I know what I need to do. So you know, not disheartening, more so realistic. Like, okay, mm. this is this is what this is. This is what this industry is. And it made me start thinking real early in my career, like, you know, oh, I'd already started thinking, like, I have to make my own decisions for growth. 
I can't leave my growth in the hands of like my supervisors, my chefs, because I was excellent. My last station I worked on at Gordon Ramsay was the meat station. I was on the meat station for like a year and a half. Wow. Like, and this is the hardest station. Like we would have like four or five different types of meat that was all being cooked to temperature. So I would be cooking duck, dry aged steak, like, and three other lamb and Mm -hmm. and some other stuff Mm -hmm. all at the same time. And like kind of, you know, leave. And it was hard. It was a hard station. I was really good at it. And so when you have a restaurant and you have people who are excellent Mm -hmm. on the station that's the hardest, you kind of want to keep them there. So it's just like, oh, no, I want to be a sous chef. I want to, you know, work on the pass and call out the tickets. They're like, no, we need you here. So, yeah. 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 And I think, yeah, you said you couldn't, you were, your growth was up to you. And you couldn't leave yeah. that in the hands of other people because, I mean, clearly they don't have your best interest when it comes to growth. I mean, they're smart, no. obviously. If, you, if you're good at something, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you're if you're really good at this particular station, I yeah, I totally get that. I want to keep you there. I don't. Right. I don't want you moving right. up and doing other things. Yeah. But but right. you're right. Your growth, your growth had to be in your hands. It, it couldn't be up to your supervisors. Yes. Yes, Absolutely. So, you know, I knew that ahead of time, got an opportunity like out of the blue. And and this was really strange for that time because it wasn't like as much Internet as it is now. But I got reached out to by um, a uh, what do you call a headhunter? Yeah, basically about a restaurant opening in Queens, a New Orleans style restaurant, and they were looking for a chef. To this day, I don't know how these people found me or Hmm. anything. I had worked like other places, like small restaurants in Brooklyn and stuff like that. But, you know, so got connected to these people and literally went from working on the meat station at Gordon Ramsay to being an executive chef at a restaurant. Hot damn. Yeah. Yeah. Were you obviously pumped? Were you just like, yes? Yeah, I was pumped. (laughs) I was scared. I was like, you know, I I spoke to like my chef at the time at Gordon Ramsay, like, you know, do you have any tips for me? And he was just like, yeah. He was like, you need to pay people because he was like, you could be a nice person. You could be the best chef in the world, but people work for money. And I'm like, got it. got it okay got it <laughs> yeah he's so like, like understood you're like do you have any advice for me he's like yeah don't screw up <laughs> yeah yeah that's my that's my yeah. favorite advice so how long what restaurant was this in queens uh well i don't want to give them any airtime because i actually oh stand the owners but oh a, yeah it was a yeah <laughs> Okay, so let's back up then. We won't yeah. we won't say the restaurant, yeah. but was this a good experience for you as an executive chef? Whew. Wow. So good. Um <laughs> You're like, how much time do we have? Good. Yeah, exactly. I'll give the abbreviated. It was good Please. um that I got I, I got an opportunity to uh lead. This was my first foray into leadership. Yep. And so being a line cook and being a chef are two different things. And so my mind had to change, like, 
you know, I don't have to cook everything. I have this whole brigade of people to cook and yeah. I just delegate. You're the boss. And I already, yeah, and I already knew how to be really, really organized because, you know, Gordon Ramsay, that system is super organized. So I had the, I, I had the opportunity to translate everything I learned into that situation and then the opportunity to learn different things, to learn different things about myself as a leader. Uh, <laughs> you mm. know, I had, I had come from like yelling and screaming and calling people donkeys and like cans being thrown. And, you know, now at this point, I realize that that is not the best way to lead for my mm. own heart and mental health and for other people either. No way. But yeah. it was like what I had known. Yeah. It was the, the culture I had come up um, with in kitchen. So it was good that it was a learning experience. And it was also good, even though it was negative, but it was my first experience with independent restaurant owners. Up until that point, I had been sheltered. I had worked for major companies, Whole Foods. I worked at the Burger Joint, which was in the Parker Meridian Hotel. I worked at Shake Shack, which was owned by Danny Meyer, yep. a restaurateur, Gordon Ramsay. So I was used to structure I was just used to structure and I was used to rules. And then I meet these independent restaurant owners who had never owned a restaurant before, who just thought it was a cool idea, like many restaurant owners. And it's like, it was just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was crazy. But and at the time, while I was experiencing it, I didn't think that it was like, oh, this is a learning experience. Like, I was like, wow, this is like the grimiest. I was like, this is like the part of New York they talk about. <laughs> like, but no yeah. Way. yeah, overall, it was a learning experience in totality. In totality. It helped me with my next executive chef uh, position. It helped me to realize maybe restaurants aren't where I want to be for the long term mm. uh, as well. Yeah. But you literally, you went from line cook to leader almost like yes. overnight. Definitely overnight. Yes. Mm. <laughs> really, before we move on, what kind of leader are you in the kitchen? Would you say? Um, I'm a no nonsense leader, but I'm fair. Um, I'm kind. I'm compassionate to a fault, but I also am very much like we have a job to do so although i understand and i empathize with, with what you have going on and you had that same thing going on yesterday and the day before the day before like today i don't care i need you to like mm -hmm. chop these onions i need yeah. you to work your shift god bless you though right That's right me. yeah it's it is <laughs> yeah. it's interesting when you work with bad leaders it teaches you yes how not to be. And you're like, I don't want to be yes. that kind of leader. I want to be this yes. kind of leader. Yeah, that's critical. Yes. But as a woman, again, in a, in a male, yep. male dominated uh, system, and you know, now I'm in charge of these men, right? And I'm working with a lot of different cultures, a lot of men from different cultures, different backgrounds. Mm. And although television really glorifies the food industry, like the food industry historically was not like a glorious place it's at like all it's the place yes yeah, the place where like derelicts come home to roost like oh you just got out of jail yesterday cool mm -hmm. come and work at my restaurant 
You're fresh out of the halfway house? Are you still in the halfway house? Need a no job? Problem. What's your curfew? Yeah, come work <laughs> at my restaurant. What's your and curfew? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so now you got all of these people together mm-hmm. mixed with people who went to school and 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 believe they're entitled to certain things and everybody has a different attitude. Then you have people from different cultures. Some cultures, it's not really okay for women to tell the men what to do. Right. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had to really, um, I had to really find my stride, like really find my stride. So definitely my leadership style is stern. And even now I mentor, most of the people that I mentor are young men because I find that young ladies, they can't even handle like, really yeah yeah like the way i'm i'm giving it out yeah so because because it's like there's too like they they have too much attitude like it's not too much attitude but uh just like can't take it like this is a tough industry oh like you make them cry do you make them cry no, I haven't made anybody cry. At least, at least not nobody. They haven't <laughs> cried in my face. <laughs> they haven't told you about it. They go yeah, home. They didn't tell me. They curl up in the fetal yeah. position and just bawl yeah. their eyes out and like <laughs> mean airs the chef. Yeah, but I'm not mean. But I'll I'll tell you straight up. You know, so like mm-hmm. if you're cooking something, like I feel like a lot of times, and even not not just women, like maybe just younger cooks, like they just want to be upheld like tell me i'm great tell me i'm beautiful kind of yeah but i'm just like yo if you serve me a plate of shit i'm gonna tell you it's a plate of shit i'm not gonna tell you it's a plate of roses and everybody can't handle the truth basically yeah well everybody can't handle ultra constructive criticism mm -hmm. yeah well as you were saying you know kitchens we we have glorified people behind the scenes when it comes to restaurants but really i mean you're talking about misfits and pirates Yes. That are, that are back there. And so, but now, right. It seems like now there is a wave of, of those up and coming cooks and chefs that really do want to be back in the kitchen, but there's a lot of heat not to be, not to be punny, but there's a lot of heat in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. And I think now it's a reverse problem. I think that everybody wants to be a TV star Yeah, and nobody wants to do the work that it takes to, to, to get there. Nobody wants to oh, do that. I, so. I feel that. I mean, TV biz, working in news for the last 20 years, interviewing people who wanted to either be an anchor or a reporter. And I would always ask, what's your end goal in this industry? And if they said, I want to be the host of some show, I'm like, yeah, you're not. No. Right. See ya. <laughs> like, right, right. We need, we don't need queen bees. We need worker bees in the industry. Yes. A hundred percent. Same with food. Mm -hmm. Same with food. And it's like the same. I'm sure it's the same. Like you have to be a worker bee before you become a queen bee. Yeah. Like you're just not just wake up one day like, oh, I make the best biscuits in the world. Like (laughs) totally. Totally. Michelin star. Yeah. But even after at this, exactly at this point too, though, because, you know, after I was in the TV news industry for 19 years and people always said, oh, you've made it. You're the queen bee. And I said, no, I'm a worker bee just like everybody else. So even though you do get to this top, you still have to work just as hard as everybody else 
below you. Even harder. Harder, even yeah. Harder. Yeah. Yeah, even harder. Because, you know, now I'm at a place where I do mentor chefs that are younger than me or mm-hmm. chefs that are, are new to the industry. And it's the industry that's constantly changing. So I can't just plateau. I can't just rely on what I learned 10, 11 years ago at Gordon Ramsay. Right. Like that's outdated information now. I mean, not all of it, but it's outdated. Like I have to keep learning. I have to keep growing if I'm going to continue to like influence a generation of chefs behind me and just for my own benefit as well, because it's just always been the motto. Like, yep. Lead by example too, right? Like leading by example. Okay. So speaking, we have to talk about chopped. I mean, we, we just have to, Yes. cause you're <laughs> champion. You've also been on there a couple times as a competitor. Yeah. I've been on chopped twice. Mm-hmm. So I, I did chop the regular episode and then I got invited back to do chop champions. Uh, so that was the experience. I never really wanted to be like a, a TV chef. Um, and like people would tell me like, Oh, you should be on chopped. And I'm like, y'all say it. Like you could just snap your fingers and be on chopped. Like, <laughs> Right? I know. People are like, Trish, you should interview so-and-so. And I'm like, okay, right. you, you got a name? You, you got you have right. a connection for me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel right. that. I feel that. So then how did that process happen? Because um, I read somewhere either you reached out to a producer or a producer reached out to you. How did that happen? Well, for a chop for the first episode, I finally felt like I was ready. Mm-hmm. And I finally felt like my resume was good enough for them to like, like, oh, they'll definitely call me back when they see this resume. And so I applied. And I don't know if I was manifesting, but they did call me back. Nice. And so I went through the process, the uh, interviewing process, and I was like, yes. Like, the, they told me I was good on camera. So I'm like, cool, I'm going to be on a the show. They email me like, yeah, we think you're great, but we don't have a show for you. Would you like to be like a backup chef? So I'm like, okay, this is disheartening. Yeah. Sure. But yeah. like, I'm like, do I get paid? So like, yeah, you get paid. <laughs> you come on set. So like if anybody like cuts their hand off, dies, sets themselves on fire, then you get to enter. So I'm like, okay, this is like kind of stressful, kind of cool. <laughs> You're like, someone, please cut off a finger. Please cut off a finger. No, just kidding. Yeah. Just kidding. But then I'm like, or oh, you could not. And I could just enjoy this breakfast in this like green room. Yes. Um. Yes, I did that for like a a season or like a part of a season and made friends with the producers. So I'm like, okay, they know me now. Like, I'm definitely going to get put on a show. Right. So they email me. I go through the casting process again. I'm like, I'm definitely going to be on a show this time. And uh, they like, yeah, Eris, we know, you know, we love you, um, but we still can't find a show for you. Would you like to come back and be a backup chef again? So at this point, I'm like, hell no, like you already, you know, like I already did that once, you know, like I'm not going to be your flunky. So I just kind of sent like a professional, but abrupt email back. Like, no, I'll have other things going on. I'm busy. Yeah. But if an opportunity comes up for a show, call me. Right. So at this point, I'm like, my chop dreams are dashed. They're never going to call me. Like maybe three weeks later, they emailed me, said, hey, are you available on any of these dates? And I was like, I'm available on all of them. And they like, we have a show for you. It films like in a week. Oh. So I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so I had like no time. It was no me buying lizards and live frogs in Chinatown and then <laughs> figuring out <laughs> right. what to do. Right. Like it was none of that. Like I just prepared mentally. I was like, maybe I should practice making ice cream base. I haven't done that in a while. Oh. And that was pretty much it. Wow. That was my preparation. Got on the show. One, that was crazy. Yeah. And at that time, I was actually the first chef who had ever come from being a backup chef to win a show. Nice. So I did like some chopped history. <laughs> That's awesome. Was this the show, yeah. the show that you won? Was this the one with the chili? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> see how that chili came back around? Uh... <laughs> when you said chili, when you said chili earlier, yeah. I was like, wait a second. But yeah. just hold up. You Tell me if this is accurate. In the basket, it was cinnamon rolls. Yes. Lamb shoulder, yes. Horseradish root, mm-hmm. and and then was there a can of chili? Uh, it, no, it's actually like five alarm chili. Five alarm like chili. chili. That's what it yeah. was. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, <laughs> so did you? First of all, when you open this up, do you panic? I mean, because this is you have zero time, <sighs> right? Zero time. Yeah. <laughs> So you panic throughout the show. (laughs) (laughs) But then you have to quickly put the fires of panic out because you don't have that much time. Right. So, yeah. So first I panicked. And then I was like, then I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Because like lamb shoulder, any kind of shoulder, it it takes some time to to cook. Totally. So, and I'm like, we only have 30 minutes in this round. And so I'm like, what am I going to do with this? And then horseradish and like a cinnamon, I was like, what the hell? So then (laughs) my mind starts working really quickly. And I'm like, okay, I have this chili. And I'm like, I'm going to take a big risk here use making my dish one of the ingredients but like let's go for it like all of it makes sense so the chili was kind of spicy i get my lamb on kind of start to braise it uh a little bit because i'm going to add the meat to the chili do some other spices i add like some chipotle peppers to it and stuff and then i'm like this cinnamon roll so my first thought is like oh i'm going to try to melt the icing off and then add that to the chili to kind of take some of the edge off of the heat. Mm-hmm. But then my chef mind started working quickly. I'm like, okay, I got bread, cinnamon. Cinnamon is like largely used in like Mexican, like Latin cuisine, but in savory applications. Yep. And then this icing. So the icing is going to cool it off. The bread is a thickener. So it's actually going to bring my chili together and give it some nice viscosity. And then the cinnamon is going to add some nice flavor, like a nice extra hint of spice like hmm, what's that yep so i'm like it's only one way to go with this put it in a pot so the chefs i could hear them behind me they're using curse words like (laughs) what the beep 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 like did she just put the beep yeah (laughs) oh that's the best but they liked it the they judges did. liked it. It was actually their favorite dish of the show mm-hmm. that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. Also, who who are the psychos who are putting these boxes together? Like, what what group of crazies are yeah. like? Hmm, what can we put in this in this basket for everybody? So they have a group of people. I forget what they call them. They have a name, but that's their only job is to research ingredients. Um, wow. Research ingredients of the show. Yeah. Crazy. Some wild stuff. Yeah. Crazy. Well, congrats wow. on that win. Thank you. Yeah. That what what Thank year was you. that? What year was that? 2017. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, you were just recently on uh, Sarah Moulton's show. Yes. And she yes. called your jambalaya the best jambalaya she's ever had. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I actually yeah. asked her, I asked her what made it so special and so good. And she said just the layers and the care yeah. that you took with the spices in the jambalaya. Yeah. Yeah. That's what she said. Yeah. So, you know, New Orleans food, we have like maybe the same three and four ingredients in almost every dish, but every dish tastes differently. And it's because of the way that we layer the flavors, because we use our, our Trinity, we call our Holy Trinity, Mm -hmm. our onions, bell peppers, and celery featuring garlic, the Pope, we call that the Pope. And, and then we layer from there. So using like, like seafood or meats or tomatoes or mm-hmm. okra or those different ingredients or roux. And yeah, we build, build flavors. So. In your journey through, you know, all these kitchens that you've worked in and all the cooking that you've done, were you finding that the spices that you wanted to cook with, they just either didn't exist for you or the quality wasn't good? Where did the idea come to create Eris Foods? So the idea came back, rewind, when I was a chef at the New Orleans style restaurant in Queens. Right. Um, my staff was like a, just a, a crew of different nationalities. I had an Italian cook. I had a cook from Brazil, some guys from South America. New Orleans food is very specific and yep. flavor. Yep. So it's like, oh, chef, like these beans, like, can I put some cilantro in these beans? Like, no. No. <laughs> yeah. Like I understand, you know, right. And I, I love some beans with some cilantro, right? These New Orleans red beans and rice is not that. No. So my first thought was like, I have to create like some continuity um, with the dishes uh, and consistency so that even when I'm not there, everything tastes the same. So I created like two spice blends. One is now my Cajun spice. Mm-hmm. The other one is uh, my blackening spice, which I just bring that one back to my site on special occasions. But the blackening spice, I use that for my fried chicken. We had like a buttermilk fried chicken. And so that went into the buttermilk to marinate it overnight. The Cajun spice went into like the beans, the gumbo and stuff like that. And then I also did like a cornmeal mixture for frying. Hmm. So I had one for frying the um, the fish, one for frying the chicken. So it could be consistent. So it wasn't right. uh, just like cornmeal, this thick of a crust on a piece of catfish. Like right. it was, I would season it. And so that was it. That was that. It was no Aris foods at that time. Yeah. Then... Fast forward, I got an executive chef job. This is when I started getting restless. And it was after my grandmother had passed. I started traveling internationally. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm like, wow, this international travel is cool. But like when I'm not working for three weeks, like I'm broke when I come back and this is tough. <laughs> so a little bit. I need to, yeah. So I need to make money in my sleep. Like when I'm not at home and I'm like, oh, I remember I made these spices and I had always thought maybe I could do something with the spices. So I'm like, let's see if I can sell them to people. And I was like, let me create like a couple of other ones. And so that's where that creation came in of like, I had all of these spices at home and I'm like, let me just make my own blends, hmm. which again, it was kind of like the, the chili, kind of like the pork chops. Like, I think these flavors will work for sure. And that's that. Yeah. And then my marketing degree kicked in like, okay, I know I just can't sell it to people. I need to make sure they want it. Yeah. So I, I like went on Facebook and said, hey, like first 20 people to respond to this post, like email me your address and like mm. I'll send you samples of my spices with a survey. So with specific questions so they can give me feedback, see what I need to fix. People enjoy them, put them online for sale. Boom. Yeah, started off with very flimsy packaging. The packages would like come open in the mail. Yeah. It was crazy. I was Whoops. sealing them with like a curling iron because they were like heats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Live and learn, right? Live and learn. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so that's how spices started. I love that. In your travels, um, is this where you discovered? Well, let's just talk about the the culinary and pastry school uh, before we wrap up. Um, the culinary and pastry yeah. school in South Africa. Yes. So tell me about how, yes. how yeah, how did, how did this happen? So I visited uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, and Cape Town, South Africa, mm-hmm. like just on a trip with a travel group, the Madness Travel Tribe. And we were staying in a neighborhood called Mabanang. And some of the ladies on our trip were like, oh, we met these really cool owners of a culinary school right around the corner. Like, you should go introduce yourself. Hmm. So I'm like, okay. So I go in, I say, hey, I'm a chef from the States, like, nice to meet you. And like, first thing, the it's a husband and a wife. The wife was like, oh, take a ride with me. Like, let, let me show you my neighborhood. So it's like me and two other people. And I'm like, we like real Americans. So like, take a ride with me. Let me show you my neighborhood kind of translates into like, let me kidnap you. But for whatever reason, <laughs> you're like let's get in the car <laughs> yeah we got in the car she showed us her neighborhood and it was just I was like man I like these people their vibe and I think they like mine and they asked me um you know we're getting new students in a couple of months would you like to come back but before that they asked me if I wanted to come back the next day and teach a class so I was like wow like this is I don't think I had taught a class uh-huh. before ever and at a culinary school at that, and they wanted me to do like chicken and waffles because like sweet and savory isn't, or uh, at that time wasn't something that they were like used to flavor wise. So I went back the next day, did that. And after that, they offered me to come back a couple of months later to work with new students. And that was seven, eight years ago. And I've been going back mm-hmm. Every year since then, I now have a, a, a culinary lab in the school. The school has grown. Um, and yeah, I go every year. I'm actually leaving this Sunday to go for like a month. Yay. <laughs> I love that. 
Did yeah. you did you get bitten by that mentoring teaching bug? Because it seems like yes. you really, really like it. I do. I do. I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot because I realize that, you know, this is a um, cooking is like a physical sport, you know, and I may not be able to do it physically for mm-hmm. the rest of my life. Hopefully I will. But like, you know, I'm like, I learned a lot. I had a lot of experiences and I just think it, and nobody I had to learn by doing and nobody told me what to do. Nobody mm-hmm. gave me a map. And so I don't know. I just feel almost like responsible. Like, you know, nobody should have to learn that way. And like, let me just give people some, some game. Do you see in some of the, the young cooks and chefs that you're mentoring, do you see you in some of them? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. I have one, one of my, my main guy, young guys that I mentor, he's really on a trajectory to just, go beyond everything I've ever done. And we even have similar names. His name is Aristide. He's from New Orleans. Yes. And he graduated from my college as well. And I was walking one day in, in, in the city and these two guys, one of the guys had on a baseball cap from my college. So I stopped them like, Hey, what you know about that school? Like, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and New York. So he's like, oh, I went there. And so we had the typical New York conversation. What do you do for a living? I told him I was a chef. And he said, man, I have a little cousin that really wants to be a chef. Would you mind if I gave him your information? And so he did. He called me. I told this Aristide, I was like, listen, if you're serious about being a chef, you need to move to New York. He moved to New York. Wow. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? If you're that crazy, I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. That's I'm like taking you under my wing. That's universe work right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. You get, right? Yeah. But he reminded me so much of myself. Like, mm. Just he was just like a go getter, like really passionate about it. And he didn't have the he has the experience now. But he didn't have it then. Yeah. And he also had the the heart and the guts to like to do the work. Like we were talking about, like you have to be a worker, mm-hmm. not just the queen bee or yeah. the king bee. Right. <laughs> and exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. You gotta have. So, you definitely have to have the ethic and the passion and all those things pushing you forward. Yes. yes. Um, yes okay. We're, I enjoy it. That's awesome. I mean, I I can tell you're good at it just based on the conversation about how you are in the kitchen as an executive chef. I can just tell that you're a very good teacher. So oh, I can, I can you. just feel it. I can feel the vibes. Um, <laughs> I do want to wrap up, but before you are, yeah. you, as you said, you're traveling to South Africa Sunday, but just lately, yes. what have you been up to lately? Staying busy. So lately, well, just in the past two years, I don't know if you heard, but we went a world pandemic. Oh, (laughs) yes, I did hear. I heard a a little something about that. (laughs) Yeah, and so I had to switch things up a bit. Um, I was actually going to be heading to Sweden to work for another famous chef who has restaurants in Sweden, Mm -hmm. but that got changed once the world got shut down. So I had to like pivot quickly. People were getting tired of their kids. So I started teaching cooking classes online to kids ages three and up. I love but, you. I 
love you so much. <laughs> okay, what's the but? but what's the but? I was teaching them very much in my style of, of being a chef. So, you know, I looked at other classes. They were doing like, you know, Santa Claus cookies and cutting fruit. And I'm like, no, like, screw that. Like, these kids are going to cook. They're going to learn knife skills. So, like, my three-year-olds have, they could hold a chef's knife, cut vegetables. They stand on a stool. They cook in the, at the stove. And mm. I'll send you some pictures. Please. So it's like... Yeah. So I did that for the last two years. I've been doing some consulting, um, just recently consulted for a food truck here in Brooklyn. I'm doing some brand partnerships with major brands. I worked with uh, Tyson, um, the meat company, doing some work for them, research and design work and, and business to business, like marketing. Yeah. That's awesome. And doing those things. And yeah. these these parents are coming out of the bedroom, finding their four-year-old at the stove making smothered pork chops. <laughs> yes. Listen, seriously. They really get down. They really get down. <laughs> I'm so proud. They like my little my little army of chefs. Absolutely. <laughs> I you know, it's and you kind of hit on it earlier. It's such an important skill, I think, with like balancing your checkbook learning how to feed yourself, like just learning a few things in the kitchen so you can survive this crazy world. I mean, those skills, you you can't put up. Yeah, it is a life skill. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Like I've been looking at your kitchen the whole time just because (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm like, what a nice stove. So many burners. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I am, I am not a chef, Eris the chef, but I do, I come, I, as I told you, I'm from South Carolina. I come from lots of cooks, really, really good cooks. And I absolutely, this is my favorite place to be is in the kitchen. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And if you're making Thanksgiving dinner, that's pro level. Oh, Thanksgiving thanks. dinner is pro level. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, anybody. um. I love the I love the project of Thanksgiving, right? Like mm, yeah. what it's just a project that you're in the kit just all day long. I love it. I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I I get that. That makes sense, but that's your job, right? So yeah, you like, want Thanksgiving I'm, off. Yeah, I'm like near death every year. And it's like every year I forget. <laughs> and then like uh-huh. and then I'm doing it. Yep. And I'm like, oh like, why am I carrying this 30 pound turkey? Like, uh-huh. it's like I'm carrying a child. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, how about this? If you're ever in Oregon in November, you come by my house and I'll cook for you. Okay. All right. Invite Definitely. is open. Invite is open. Okay. Definitely. We're going to, we uh, we're going to wrap up and get to the final three best advice you've ever been given. Best advice I've ever been given was definitely by my my chef when I was on my way out of Gordon Ramsay, and that's to pay people. Because to this day, I, I pay people. Now that I'm paying them out of my own money, I make sure that I, I pay them well so they can understand how to charge people well. Mm-hmm. So that's the advice. Small, and, like, seems simple, but best. And, and so that they stick around, right? If they're good, they stick around. Yeah. Yeah, but hopefully they get so good that they don't stick around. There's always mm. more. Like, I don't want them to, just like how they wanted me to stay on the meat station forever. Right. I don't want meat station cooks. Don't hang on to me. Gross. Why? Like, mm. yeah, yeah. 
I like yeah. that. That's hard. Yeah. That's hard when you're <laughs> when you're the boss and you're like, hey, I don't want you here for for more than a year. That's 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 yeah. hard. That's hard to do. Yeah. Um, it's like all my children. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, what's your happy place? My happy place. My happy place is just being quiet and being quiet, but like also having something to do, like having new projects and, and new creative things to do, like using my mind in different ways. Like that's like my happy place. Like somebody just asking me just to... Uh, you know, just to cook or do a dinner party. That's cool. But like, no, let's do something new. Like Mm -hmm. now let's use all the skills that I've learned over the years. So now I'm I'm very much so in my marketing bag. And so that's my new challenges. Now I'm using my mind more than my hands. Mm, Okay. (laughs) I'm going to stay tuned to that. I'm excited to see what's coming. Um, (laughs) In all things food and drink, what do you crave? Ooh, what sounds go good phases oh, yeah i was gonna say what sounds good all the time you go through phases <laughs> yeah right now i'm in a, a ceviche and buffalo wings phase <laughs> <They're too big>. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um like, strangely enough i made buffalo wings for the first time last night for the first time ever nice 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 i've made good i've made the wing sauce before like i have the wing sauce down but i've never really like grabbed the party wings and fried them up i used my grandma's cast iron pot her big old cast iron pot and i fried up those chicken wings they were they were good yeah yeah i had some yesterday for the Super Bowl, yep. but mysteriously, I cooked and ate them before the Super Bowl even started. Whoops. So. But they, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and ceviche, I always like ceviche. I took a trip to Mexico in December mm-hmm. and like this hotel next to our hotel, they just had like all these different types of ceviche and we just ate it every single day that we were there. And I came back and I'm just like, oh man, like, mm-hmm. I want to eat more ceviche. And so, yeah, I actually like right before this, I like prepped my fish. So when I, I have to do some work and then when I come back. Ceviche time. For lunch. Yeah. Yes. Sure. I love that. <laughs> um, yeah. You have been an absolute blast. Thank you. So have you. Thank, thank <laughs> I've you. I enjoyed myself. Well, yeah. good, good. I've enjoyed myself too. You are, I mean... You're hilarious. You're like super funny. <laughs> Thank you. You're probably like, I know. Thanks. I think I'm more, no, I think I'm just more like, I like to laugh. Like, I think I'm just silly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, I'm the same. Yeah. There's nothing like yeah. a legit belly laugh, right? I mean, it's just yeah, good. Yeah, for sure. I uh, know you've been a lot of fun. If anybody wants to check out your spice blends or any of your other food products, it's atcspiceblends.com. Yes. Or you can uh, type in heiressfoods.com. That's what I do. Yeah. That's the easiest Same place. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, congratulations and kudos to you on all of your success. And I'm really excited to, as you were saying, just stay tuned to what's coming next. Absolutely. And safe travels to you to South Africa. And I hope you have a blast. Thank you. Thank you so much. been listening to Hungry for More, an Epicurean's Dilemma with me, Trish Gloss. 
You can watch this podcast and subscribe on my YouTube channel. Just search Hungry for More and Epicurean's Dilemma. You can also listen and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts.